What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Extra Point Podcast, presented by Bleacher Fan Sports. This week, you got Jones and Sully with Tommy Bunn taking a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, but let's get right into it with the recap of Wilder and Fury. It uh, lived up to the hype, in my opinion. Uh, regardless of which side you were on, I think I think we got our money's worth. We got a solid six, seven rounds, I mean, seventh round TKO, but you know, last round was a little shaky. But um, you know, I think it was a little more dominant on Fury's side than we thought, but it, it, it was a good fight nonetheless, especially the first couple of rounds. Both of them were landing shots. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a more entertaining fight. Not that it was a bad fight, but it wasn't like a good, it wasn't a close fight, obviously. I think everyone pretty much had it 6-1. The first two rounds, like you said, second round you could have given to Wilder. No real other round that realistically you could have given to him, so... It's probably six one in the in I think most people like Atlas had had six one, but it was just so entertaining because there were so many knockdowns. All yeah. on Fury's behalf. I mean, I'm pretty like sure they only said, counted one knockdown. How? Well, like because like the two of them were trips, so like that doesn't count as a knockdown. But he was like, still punched. Yeah, the one and the one was even debatable because he got punched in the back of the head. And that's normally not a knock. Like if you punch someone in the back of the head, it's not a knockdown because you're not allowed to do that. Well, well he, hit, he hit the ground a bunch of times, and it took him a while to get up. So, well, it's a standing eight count, no matter what. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it was he was just like, yeah, a great. I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely a dominant performance by Fury. But I saw right people talk about like three, three, four knockdowns, which is not the case. But right, right after the first one, um, like it was pretty, like it really looked over. Like it, he just looked defeated. His eardrum was bleeding since the second round. Um, that looked bad, and he just Wilder looked. I thought he looked kind of scared. He wasn't. He, he didn't land any real huge punches. He had a couple good connects, and people were concerned Fury going out for the knockout wouldn't be a good thing. He was both elusive, and he was he was throwing really good shots to him, and he was just. Consistently hitting them, hitting them in the face, body shots. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think anyone was. I had Fury winning, and it was mainly because it was Max's pick. But um, I don't think anyone on the Fury side thought it would be that dominant for Fury. It yeah. was. I, I thought. It, I thought he kind of he he pumped up the pressure from compared to his last fight just enough and I, th- I thought it was interesting that the second round was really the only round that people thought went to Wilder because that was when Fury said he was going to knock him out and I think that's when Fury really kind of stepped out of his comfort zone and what and like really his game plan to try and kind of back up that word you know I'm sure he yeah. had a little extra juice thinking like oh how amazing would this be if I actually knocked him out in the second round yeah. so I and and so to me, I think that would, and it's it, that's kind of what I thought would happen, the the entire fight, you know, and that's where that because yeah. I was one of those people that thought to him going out of that comfort zone of kind of getting away from the way he's boxed would would be detrimental to him, but he really did a good job of of 
you know, he put on the pressure maybe 10 or 20 or 30 percent more um, than he had in the last fight. And it really it was enough to really throw Wilder off. He, he didn't take any hit. He didn't really take any big hits. I think he took 16. What was it? Was it 16 like power impact punches or whatever they call it. Yeah, he really- there was there was two or three in it was one in the first round and and two or three in the second round. That yeah. re- he really he shook got- them off, though. They didn't they didn't do yeah, anything. Yeah, them. exactly. They weren't. I wouldn't say they were damaging, but he got he got hit he got hit good. Yeah, and then I mean, I didn't realize right away that his camp stopped it. Like people, like I was in a bar in Newport, and everyone was like, "Oh, whoa, whoa!" They stopped it way too soon, and then you see at the end that his camp stopped it. I mean, because he was he was a little like he fired his trainer today, threw in the towel. He fired his trainer. Yeah, Wilder fired the guy who threw in the towel. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Whether whether the the team threw in the towel or the ref stopped it, I don't. Whatever, I, I don't know. I know that I believe the ref stopped it at, uh, when when the team was about to throw in the towel. I think that's how that's how it was explained on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's. I haven't heard anything different since then, but that's how it was explained in the broadcast. And but I my point is either way. I think it was the right call. I don't think I don't know how you could watch that fight at that point. By the way, he had zero chance at that point. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I'm gonna say point five. Like his he, only chance was just swinging for the fences and somehow and had, landing. And he had no strength at that. Exactly. Point. Yeah, it was a. It was a. But it's the wilder thing. He's always his right. It's always a puncher's chance, no matter what. But that you know, we're talking a, a one in a hundred shot, if that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It was clearly he got dominated destroyed he owned up to it at the end and then fury fury was extremely humble i see i don't know if it was the other voice if the um it was vice versa i don't know if i think wilder would not have been as humble as fury was fury's like wilder will be back he's great he was really uplifting for wilder and his fans he wasn't like destroying him and saying you know i embarrassed you i think if wilder would have won that in that convincing a fashion he would have said i embarrassed him i outclassed them this was a race thing like I made like you know, he would have taken it like levels like he did because I didn't like two things. I liked both their words. I thought they were class acts on both ways, but I didn't like how Wilder comes out today and says the 45 pound gear I wore, which was su- something in support of Black History Month. Not that it was for Black History Month, but I didn't like how he said that weighed him down and that made his legs weak. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's just that's- your fucking idiocy. Yeah. Yeah, if you and I mean he made it a race thing, whatever. That's not for me to. You don't you know, have to pre- co- come out looking like a fucking supervillain in order to support Black History yeah, Month. Yeah, so so that's excuse number one. You wore forty five pounds of thing like you said. You did that yourself. So that's why you're a two hundred and thirty one pound man. You're worrying about forty five pound worth of costume. Well, first of all, it's an absurd amount of weight for a costume. Second thing is like you said, he fired the trainer as if he was going to win if he didn't, as if the, if as if it wasn't stopped. Yeah. It was it was the right thing to do. It was it was, yeah. It was the right thing to do. After looking at it, he was disoriented. He he didn't realize the fight was stopped for like three seconds after. I mean, yeah. that's how disoriented he was. His I equilibrium mean, was, was clearly off. Yes. Yeah, and he went to the hospital after for preliminary, you know, the precautionary reasons. Precautionary yeah. reasons. Reasons. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, you know. Part of me would have loved to see him get knocked out and finish, but then he could have really gotten hurt. So yeah. it's a really tough job, you know, because especially they're doing it in the moment and they're they're doing a split second decision, trying to have the fair, have the most competitive match without shorting the guy too early and, and 
and considering his health, number one. Yeah, and their bo- boxing's had a few deaths in the last couple of years, so they they're they're not letting the two biggest names in the sport literally yeah. get one either of them get hurt. I mean, yeah. those guys those guys got a guaranteed one more fight, and if Wilder wins it, they got a guaranteed two more fights left. So they, they, you're talking hundreds of millions, if not billions, of dollars on the line. You can't be having either of those guys get to a position where they can't fight in the next six to twelve months. Yeah, and Fury had the uh, he had the laceration that he was worried about. Yeah, but going I, in, I didn't even see why it was over Fury's right eye. So that would that means it's in for Wilder's left hand. So he barely he, he, uh, didn't, yeah. he didn't get touched at all. I know. I didn't see him even attack it that much. Yeah. No, I mean, he, the thing is, he didn't land. He wasn't aggressive. Like, he wasn't. In the other fight, uh, Wilder was the aggressor by tenfold compared to this one. Fury was controlling the match. He was backing him down. And I'm not a huge boxing aficionado connoisseur or whatever you want to say. But, I mean, I've never seen Wilder really just be so unaggressive in that way. He just. All the highlights I see of him are he's. He, he's putting someone on the ropes. He's being the aggressor. And Fury's the one that's always bobbling his head and, you know, doing these magnificent, elusive moves, Ali-like. And um, I don't know. He didn't seem like he was ready. No. When, I, I mean, I think Wilder just got – he was kind of settling in after the second round. It seemed like we were going to, okay, let's strap in. But we're, his eardrum gonna... got hurt that round. Yeah, when he, when he, got, he got clocked pretty good – Early in the third round, and to oh, me, was the third. I thought it was the second. That his eardrum. His eardrum might have started bleeding, but I. It was in the third round. He got hit really good, and that's when I noticed, like, okay, he's he's not right. Uh, he he's clearly affected by this, um, yeah. and I think that's kind of when he got taken out of his game plan, um, because he was it, it to me it was one one going into the third round, and it was I was strapped in for a 10 12 round fight um yeah. and then it, it changed quickly in the third round and i would say while i was surprised wilder lasted the f- fifth and sixth round yeah the third and fourth rounds were te- were it went downhill real that's when he started having the, the fall down the knockdowns the trips whatever you want to call them. that's when he started going to the deck and it, it was clear his legs were so wobbly it was another thing they were so, it was so early on his his legs were and yeah. i don't know I, I feel like maybe it benefited fury that he was a i mean he's 270 what is he 270 something compared to 231 like his punches may not be one of wilder's best punch but he's got a lot of weight and a lot of force behind each one of those punches and if you're he was hitting i think percentage wise there wasn't crazy difference I think it was 36 to 33 in favor of Fury, but the amount of punches both he threw and connected, I think it was almost triple the amount. So when you're getting out punched three times, both in landed and attempted, and the guy's 40 pounds on you, I mean, think about that if you're a lighter guy. Think about if you're 160 against a 200 pounder, and you wouldn't stand a chance. I mean, 230 and 270, it's still uh, it's such a disparity in weight. I mean, yeah, that's really that's the it. thing with heavy like it, you don't get yeah. that in other divisions because it's such a you know yeah, featherweight's like a 10, 12 pound difference. But yeah, heavyweight's just oh yeah, you're above this weight, you're a heavyweight, and it, you you could be five pounds above or you could be a hundred pounds above it. It's the same yeah. same weight class, you know. Same thing in wrestling. I mean, you've had I've, I saw two hundred twenty pound ripped kids 
uh, wrestle kids that are 280 pound slobs, and sometimes the slob wins. Yeah, just on on sheer might. Yeah, size and technique or whatever, but what have you. But yeah. um, I will say though, that's far from the. I mean, a lot of fighters Wilder's face have been heavier than him because he's yeah, so I mean, tall. He's so light for a heavyweight. Yeah, he and his his weight comes from his height. You yeah. know, the he's, he's the same Fury... same weight as Tyson, and Tyson was five eleven at best. Yeah, the thing with Fury is is his elusiveness is out of control. It's just his elusiveness, his ability to not get hit by punches is absurd i mean so when you never have someone that size or you really rarely and have someone that size and with that elusiveness yeah so usually if you're the bigger guy you're you're not going to be quicker so he was quicker and he's got the size and he was being the aggressor so i'm not an expert but those three things are i mean i think that's a big deal yeah i mean it's just fury's just such a testament that that like at the end of the day, no matter what sweet science of boxing will win out, um, if you're a, a smart fighter like him, and most... yeah, he's he's clearly the more technical fighter. He's the better technique, and and Wilder's the of you know, I mean, he's probably the best player. technical fighter in the in the game right now. Yeah, but uh, especially with Floyd out of the picture, I found it so odd how the odds were toss up one ten one ten eventually. By the end of the day, it was 145 one, uh, plus to one, plus 110 in favor of Wilder. You figure, I guess, the Sharps are hitting Wilder hard. But everyone I talked to, whether it was an expert, whether it was a someone in a bar, whether it was a friend, like 98% of them all had Wilder. And it just it didn't make sense to me. Like, I looked at the odds. I looked at the records. I, I, I'm not an expert. But whenever things that one-sided, when it's like a can't-miss thing, it usually is too good to be true in sports, I feel like. Like, uh, we've had it before, like 90, you know, 98% of the people or everyone you talk to thinks this person's going to win. And, and if that were the case, everyone would make money. Everyone would be rich. Yeah. It just, it just seemed like from a, from a very, someone like me, it's an amateur in regards to the boxing knowledge. It just seemed too good to be true. And ev- everyone in the world being on Wilder, rooting for him and thinking he was going to win. It was just, it was just odd to me. So... Well, it's like mo- it's like a lot of things in in sports, especially when it comes to betting. Like, ninety nine percent of people just don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and they think they do. Yeah, especially with boxing. Yeah, and boxing is like uh, it's like let me try. Comp- I guess uh, maybe soccer. It's like Americans talking about soccer every four years when the World Cup happens. Yeah. Or or when the Olympics happen, it's like oh, all of a sudden all these people are are fucking into soccer and they're soccer experts. Meanwhile, they they've fucking watched a game since the last Olympics. It's just one of the. It always happens with those outlandish sports. It happen. I I see it too with golf when Tiger plays in in big tournaments. You know yeah. when, when Tiger's Tiger's leading the Masters last year. You couldn't all of a sudden everyone was a golf expert and they I hear people spewing garbage. So you you've watched three golf tournaments in your entire life. I can mm-hmm. I can tell by the things that you're saying. Um, so I mean, it's a lot of that, and it, it happens the most with prize fighting because they only, you know, a fighter in a in a busy year fights two or three times, the top guys. Yeah. So you don't, you, you know, I've been following boxing my whole my whole like you know kind of adult I'd say let's since I was nine or ten years old so that's you know twenty twenty some odd years and even me I've only seen Floyd Mayweather fight ten times you know twelve times. It's like, 
how you just don't get that much opportunity to really yeah. watch guys. And if you're not studying tape and and studying similar guys and watching other fights of guys that you don't know the name of or the average person doesn't know the name of, you're just simply not gonna understand it um, or really be knowledgeable of it. And I feel like boxing is also one of those things that you you have to be involved with the game to really understand. It goes with all of those kind of like outside sports. Golf's the same way. MMA. Like, yeah, MMA. MMA. Like if you haven't really played Tennis. it or, or done it, you don't really know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like football, basketball, you can learn concepts. You can learn plays. You can learn, you know, stuff by watching film, by, you know, just kind of looking at different sets. There's ways to learn. Obviously, you the most knowledgeable people are the ones that have played the sport and, and at some level, you know. Even, Max Box? I, I think he he had some... Amateur? I th- I, uh, yeah, some amateur, and if if not very least, um, has been involved with a lot of trainers and, and trained amateurly, like, you know, took boxing classes and stuff like that. I think there's some level of that. Um, so, I, 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 yeah, I just think you need to, you need to be, to get to that level of knowledge, you need to... You need to kind of, to analyze it properly. You need to have that that base knowledge. Um, and boxing is so hard because how many people want to take a punch? You know, a lot of people can play, be athletic, and and play sports, but boxing and MMA is a different story. You gotta you gotta be prepared to get hit in the face. A lot of people aren't ready to do that. Yeah. So it's not it's not a it, it's a different level of uh, yeah I've played this like. <laughs> You got to know what it's like to get hit in the face multiple times to to be a boxer and and MMA too. Um, so combat sports are even more amplified in that sense. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess first Wilder Fury was in the Staples Center, uh, and to, today they, on a more somber note, held another event in the Staples Center, Kobe Bryant's Memorial on uh, February second, two twenty four, or February February twenty fourth, two twenty four for Gigi and Kobe. Uh, it was, you know, like we talked about last week, it kind of brought up all, all the same emotions and memories again. It was, I watched a good portion of it. I would say about 80, 90% of it. Um, it was tough. It was tough to, it was tough to see Vanessa. Um, but it was also nice to hear Vanessa, uh, kind of, it's her first public appearance. It's her first time talking. A lot of people have probably never heard her voice before, never seen her speak um, mm-hmm. she was present, but she was never publicly present. Uh, if, if that makes sense, she was never behind yeah, the she had camera, statements, but not, yeah, yeah. She was never in front of a camera. She was never really, um, doing interviews with Kobe. Like you see with, you know, Brady with Giselle or, or other famous wives. Um, you know, she's also not, she was one of those wives that was famous in the right ways for being Kobe's wife. Whereas a lot of other people's wives that are behind, that are in front of the camera, are famous in their own right. You know the Gabrielle unions, obviously. Well, the only somewhat Giselle. bad press, obviously, was you know wasn't having to do with her. Yes, yes, that, that I was, mean, you know, listen for a lot of people, that was probably the last time they saw her speak publicly in front of a camera was the the press conference after the the uh, adultery. Yeah. Um. So I get it, but I mean, there was so many good moments today. Uh, I thought the the roster of speakers was was great. Um, 
I didn't realize you had every legend out there. I mean, yeah, I was I was surprised there wasn't one or two more current NBA players like uh, that that spoke. Um, I didn't know her, him and Diana Taurasi were that close. I didn't know him and Iniescu were that close. Um, but it was it was everyone. Is she really, the college player? Yeah, Sabrina. Yeah, I didn't. Um, the Oregon girl. Yeah. Uh, but they were good. Everyone was good. I thought I thought Jordan was fantastic. Jordan um, really was. He he really. You don't get a lot of mo as as big as Jordan is. We really don't get a lot of moments like that with him. He didn't he didn't open up a lot. He wasn't. Kobe was kind of the opposite of that in in the, especially in the later part of his career. A lot of it was documented, and, and that's maybe just the the sign of the times. You know, it's much more accessible videos much more prevalent these days and it's much more accessible to distribute that type of stuff um so maybe it's just a matter of the times but we we don't get that many moments with jordan like that and i thought it was a really human moment for michael uh and like he said we he gave us another three or four years of crying jordan memes yeah that was very funny that kept the mood light when it needed it most um because you know, he was he was sobbing, obviously, like anyone would. Well, anyone that was that close to him, and he uh, he said some great words. And you like he's, like the last clip I think of when I think of Jordan was the ceiling is the roof. Yeah, that's what I think of. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> maybe that's why Jordan doesn't do many, you know, things. Yeah, maybe like, he's not great at it. He's been doing more charity work. I've, I know the last five ten years Jordan has been doing more help with the community, whether it's helping out. Uh, communities from natural disasters and whatnot. I know he's he's been a lot more to the forefront of that. I think he's re- kind of had to. He used to get knocked for that. Yeah, no, he has, and he he wasn't he wasn't looked at as like the greatest guy as compared to now. His image is much better than it was. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, Kobe's not much different in that sense. People forget how yeah how no, Kobe Kobe's Kobe. has improved so much over time. Yeah, people like, were the first time. A lot years, of people didn't was, like Kobe. A lot of people, yeah, didn't, lot like of people Kobe. didn't like him. Teammates didn't like him. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from, you know, the scandal, you know, aside from that, which was obviously, you know not ideal. Not, yeah, not good for for what he was dealing, you know. But, you know, he was seen as stubborn, you know, a hothead competitor, but a lot of know, the same like, things that pe- people didn't like about Jordan, you know? Yeah, but yeah, and like the l- later part of Kobe's career like you said he was so much more open so many so much more um like even the last five years even towards the end he was more like helpful with younger players in in a grooming aspect of helping them develop not just NBA players but like college players and and you know like like with Gigi and his kids and look at the look at the people that spoke today I mean you had two women's basketball players one one that he met you know as a young pro in diana tarasi and yeah. one that's not even graduated college yet yeah so he really taking that mentorship role and especially like you said with especially with women and women in sports um you know obviously his daughter Gigi, apparently she was a terrific basketball player and and uh the joke was made was it Diana that made the joke? Yeah. That, oh, that was. Not, I, uh, I was she, pissed they didn't show LeBron for that. That she has, yeah, right. That she has a better fadeaway than LeBron. That was another good 
Yeah, was uh, it, light what 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 eleven year old has a turnaround step back fadeaway jumper? And he's just like, and LeBron, LeBron doesn't Bale. have that now. Yeah, that was great. And then a, the, a, another funny. Um, Meanwhile, goal. LeBron literally hit a turnaround fadeaway step back jumper to win the game last night. Yeah, but <laughs> but in regards to uh, Shaq was also great. Oh, Shaq had the, he had hilarious. the best line of the night. Yeah, because. Because and this highlights how Kobe was the beginning part of his career when when his teammates were saying to Shaq, "Well, he's not passing the ball." Shaq, you know, the big hour saga goes, "I'll talk to him." We need we need Tommy Bun's voice. I can't do the Shaq voice. We need Tom's voice. And uh, Kobe says to Kobe, "There's no I in team." Uh, he says that Shaq says that to Kobe, and Kobe goes, "Yeah, well, there's an E and an M, motherfucker." Yeah. <laughs> So, like that's just so Kobe. Like Kobe. Like like when I when I grew up, like it was Kobe didn't pass the ball. Like like the eight, whether it was the eighty one or like him and Shaq button heads. Like they like he was a scorer. He was a uh, he like that. A lot of that was true. Like he was like a lot of his issues were from not passing or not or just him beating his man. Him knowing and he can beat his man one on one. He thinking and knowing he beat him. His man, 100% of the time, whether it was executed, that's a different story. But always thinking, belief that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take my man one-on-one. I can obviously beat him. I can beat Jalen Rose. You kidding me? Why would I pass it to you, Robert Ori? You're five points a game. That was his thought process. So, I mean, hard to blame when you're, you know, top five player of all time and, and then Shaq's on that team. And that was a funny moment, though. That was another good, light moment, you know. But like all those guys, Shaq, um, Jordan, they all, you know, with with the light moments, they were really heartfelt as well. And and what were they saying and how they were saying it? Um, it's just crazy to me how Shaq hadn't talked to Kobe since his last game. It's just really like very somber and just something that really shocked me. I don't know why. Yeah. And last one I want to touch upon, I thought it was great, was Palinka. Uh Yes. You know that Plinka's really a guy like behind the scenes that you didn't realize how. A lot of people don't don't realize how close they were. He was the godfather to Gigi. Yeah, right? yeah. They, I mean, they considered each other their best friend. Um, but to hear the story he told about Kobe, you know, he he was the last one that talked to Kobe. Um, yeah, Kobe was texting him from the helicopter, uh, and he just told the story about him trying to help. You know, the last act. Kobe had was trying to help somebody else, trying to you know better that that girl's life and career, and it was just it was so sad. It was just kind of highlighting, you know what what we missed out on potential wise for Kobe's second act. Uh, really would have been really would have been awesome. But um, yeah, enough with uh, that the somber stuff. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll it'll come back up a year from now, and we'll have to relive it all again. Uh, Probably even sooner. Yeah, you're Although right. Although it'd be a good break for, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's been a long month. It has. Hopefully hopefully this gives, you know, Vanessa and the kids some some time to try and, you know, closure and move on a little bit. And, uh, you know, all all good thoughts their way. Um, but I thought today was overall fantastic. Couldn't have asked for a better memorial. Um, I mm-hmm. hope, and I hope the fans were satisfied because they, they lost someone too. Um, but, yeah, moving on to uh, – some baseball and uh, some some pain that I I enjoy talking about that I that I enjoy being 
put out into the world. And that what a is, segue. What a segue. Some some positive pain. Um, Houston Astros, a couple of their their cheating stars got uh, into the baseball game today in spring training. And uh, Mr. Jose Altuve got up to bat in the fifth inning, and uh, he saw one pitch, and so did his rib cage. One pitch. <laughs> uh, Jose Altuve, one pitch in his first at-bat, hit. Uh, and then went to the... Can't confirm, but strong sources say he ran to the dugout crying. Um, he did leave the game, just for the record. Tears are not confirmed, but we're going to assume there was tears. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Yeah, he got fucking drilled. Just, yeah. It was... I, I saw it from, like, the... Kind of over the... Directly behind home plate, over a little above the batter view. Um, yeah. And it was just... Yep, 98 miles an hour, right at your fucking gut. <laughs> Here it comes. Um, yeah, can't yeah. say you don't deserve it. Yeah, and it was just like, all right, here we go. I I, I said it today, like, I I think they're going to get lit up in spring training. I didn't even think about it beforehand. Like, because they, they all were, they've been cowards so far, they haven't started anyone. Like, the first few games you're supposed to start, you start like two, three, four starters, Astros, 19 fucking single A guys that have never fucking sniffed yeah. the majors starting. And they're... They're going to have to play. Yeah, they're going to have to play. They're going to have to get their reps in. So um, I can't I can't wait to see how it's going to be because I don't – they're not going to get hit as much as some people do. I think it's going to have to be very creative. I think you're going to need – and when the games are blowouts, I think you're going to need, you know, your lesser pitchers, your lesser relievers, the fifth, sixth, seventh guy in the bullpen. You know, here's one for the team. I might get suspended, but here's 99 at your head. Yeah going to be a lot of that like they're going to see um i'm sure there'll be a few instances maybe where you know a real someone who doesn't give a fuck throws at him like stud but i don't think it's going to be a lot of the top guys i think they're going to say you know we know there could be repercussions we don't want our top pitcher getting suspended 10 games which would be two starts yeah sure last guy on the you know on the roster in the bullpen throw at him yeah i i I said the it, we talked about it before, but the Yankees should sign CC to a, a, a non guaranteed deal, and just have, just have him come in and throw. <laughs> that would be great. CC, you got how many? How much you got? Ninety six. If you throw out your arm, all right. It looks like you're throwing out your arm. Here's here's a here's a cutter in on your on your. Yeah, oh, top of the order. You got you got Altuve, Bregman, Correa, CC. Come on in, buddy. We got there's, something there's for some, you. There's uh, some broken finger fingertips yeah. for you. We're up eight one because Garrett Cole has twenty six strikeouts in nine innings. So come on in and close this one out. <laughs> um, but no, I I think it's gonna it's gonna happen. There's gonna everyone is gonna get their lick in, and they better be able to. Like all twenty nine teams deserve a lick. They deserve yeah. one lick. I don't care who you are. I don't care about the safety. I don't care about the bull. All these people are starting to come as bullshit. All right, you're promoting violence. You're promoting. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. You fucking come at someone's career. If you try and ruin someone's life because legitimately they've ruined a couple people's lives, potentially. Yeah, there's that lawsuit of that yeah. guy. Who's yeah. Rightfully so. I mean, that was his last start ever. And he, he said he. He said he he thought he threw great. He didn't think he thought he threw bad at all, and he got lit up. 
I mean, and even from a confidence standpoint, you might just be like, yeah, clearly this isn't for me. Yeah. But in regards, aside from the, you know, numbers getting lit up, you're just not going to. Yeah, even if the team is like, yeah, don't worry, we got you, like, rough outing, everybody has them, but you get them next time. Even in your own head, you got to be like, god damn, do I even have it? Like, do I have it at taste? Yeah, and then it comes out Clayton Kershaw, 51 breaking balls um, thrown in the two in the game five 2017 world series yeah. not one swing and a miss come on yeah that was that was unbelievable we i i posted that last night and it was what was it it yeah game five of the 2017 world series clayton kershaw threw 51 sliders and curveballs and the houston astros didn't swing and miss at any of them that's come on there isn't a thing in the world that you could guess correctly 51 times in a row even if it's the most simple choice a coin flip yeah. You can't. And every – people were chirping at me in, in the comments a little bit like that's not a, a great comparison. And I'm like, yeah, it's never going to be like a one-to-one comparison when you're talking about something like this. But every single pitch in baseball to some degree is a guess. You either don't know what pitch is coming, and if you do, you don't know if you're going to swing or not and where and it's going to end every up. Pitch. Yeah. So – to sit here and say, see that and say that the Astros didn't cheat in the World Series? What, are you kidding me? There's a 0% chance they didn't they, cheat. They, like, they already got caught. And and, and you're saying, and you're saying, oh, they, they just stopped when it mattered most. Once they came to the World Series, you know, there was, no one knew they were doing it, but they just stopped for the integrity of the game. Like, how how can you have that? And, and that take. And that's my argument for ever, for if you're telling me you think they didn't cheat in the 2019 World Series, maybe they didn't, and if they didn't, it's because they couldn't, not because they weren't trying. They did because 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 of what what the uh, the Nationals told us. Yeah, they knew they were. They knew they were. Other teams told them they were, and they were changing their Suzuki. The catcher said he was showing up two to three hours early, a game, meeting with the pitchers to go over, changing the signs. Two, three times a batter. They said four or five times a batter. You don't change. You don't change sequences four or five times a game. Yeah. It, literally, you're doing. They're doing it ten times more than you have to than the standard amount. Yeah. Some pitchers don't yeah. change it at all. Yeah, were they just doing that for fun? They just yeah, just doing it for fun. I mean, and then, what about the meeting with uh, Tory? Tory had a meeting with both teams about. Uh, specifically about sign stealing and cheating before the World Series. You think they just eh, might as well these like you know these teams they don't have any inkling make about sure, cheating, but let's make just make sure they know the rules. Yeah, let's make sure they know this random specific way of cheating isn't allowed. It's just it's laughable to think that they weren't cheating at every turn. I'm not saying they were cheating on every pitch. I'm not saying they were cheating in every game, but to say that there was a series or extended period of time that they took off from cheating or attempting to cheat is a laughable suggestion they were attempting to cheat at every important moment over the three-year period from 2017 to 2019 world series to spring training every fucking bit and there's even talk that it happened earlier in 2016 because people were talking about it, and rumors were floating around before then. It's already proved that the system was introduced to the general manager in 2016, and the infrastructure was in place in 2016. They didn't directly prove that it was happening in games in 2016, but they had the ability. 
they proved that they had the ability to do it. So, yeah. just, it, people like to throw, it's fucking logic, man. It, you, you had the chance to cheat, why wouldn't you? You were seeing success with it, why wouldn't you? You don't stop after you win a World Series and it's too much to gain. It's too much to gain. It's too. It's a drug, you know? There's too much. It, it brings too it's much like of a good feeling. like someone cheating in life. If someone cheats 30 times on their girl, or they just, oh, I'm a new person. I'm not going to cheat now. She never got, you never got caught 30 times? Yeah. Oh, motherfucker. You think he really changed? Yeah, people Did change when caught? they get caught. Yeah. That's it. Like, I know people that have cheated numerous times. Girl has no idea. They just stop because they're a good person suddenly? No. No. They and keep why cheating until you? they get caught or, or, yeah, until they get caught. Why would you? It goes for, it goes for every facet of life. Like whether it's illegal, not illegal, if you have an edge that's working, why would you ever stop? Everyone tries to get an edge in, you know, different facets of life, I guess you could say. But, but this one, just the kicker of it, if it, in having technology to steal signs is just the part that just, is the kicker. That's just where you lose me. The buzzers and, and all that shit is just the losers. But I have a, I have a, I have a hot take this year. Um, I think it's very unbiased because uh, I don't have as much hatred for the Astros as you, but I think the Astros are going to be decently bad this year, and I think add, I don't think they're winning the division. I think the A's are going to win the division. I'm not going to go as far as say the Astros are getting third, but I think the Ash, the A's are going to win the division. Listen to this pitching staff they have. Verlander, these guys like 38. Granke, he's getting like 35. Those are their two studs. One and two, great pitchers. Granke's not good in the playoffs. But regardless, that's obviously one, two. Third, Lance McCullers. Fourth, Jose Yerquidae. And five, Austin Pruitt. That's terrible. Yeah. That's a terrible three through five. And then that's not even including the hitters, which are great hitters, quote unquote, that are all going to see some sort of, or a majority of them are going to see a, a decrease in, you know, in their ability to hit, whether it's home runs for average, whatever. My guess is guys like Yoli Gurriel, um, Josh Reddick, um, and who else? Correa, probably even Springer, too. Those guys. Who knows? Maybe I mean, mainly Reddick and, and Gurriel. They had these career years, like over 300. Gurriel had a career year at 33. Reddick was a 270 hitter, batting 315. Like those, these guys are just not great hitters. The other guys, even though I think Altuve benefited, Bregman, I can give them more of the benefit of the doubt. They'll still be very good players. Michael Brantley will still be a very good player. But Springer, lowest chase rate of his, uh, one of the lowest chase rates in baseball. He had one of the worst chase rates before. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, them as a team, just they're three times better chase rate than anyone in Major League history. Like, what? It, three times better than anyone ever? And you expect me to believe that people aren't, like, cheating extensively throughout yeah. the team? Like, you expect me to silo to a few guys? I just don't get it. Josh Reddick, I hope Josh Reddick bats fucking zero thirty six. I don't I want any. I don't want any injuries. That's the thing. I want them. I want them to go out and win eighty-two games by themselves, fully healthy. Because if they lose the division, it it's a wrap. 
They don't even have. They could make the playoffs if they lose. They could win like ninety-one games and make the make it as a wild card. It's still going to look so bad. They have to win a hundred games to to even ha- have some conversation or some argument that that it's things are all right. That things were somewhat legitimate. That the cheating didn't help that much. Because if they take any type of regression, it's like okay, well, fucking. This is what you were. I think it's like Max Kellerman said, like, you, he said it, like, you were, they're still a great team, but they were never the best team in baseball. They were a top three to five, three to six team at best throughout their, the last three years. They were never better than the Yankees. They were never better than the Dodgers. They were never better than the Red Sox. And that's not to say that a top three to five Top three to six team can't win the World Series, but at no point were they the best team in that three-year period. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the the the, uh, the Nationals this year, they were in the three to six range. Yeah, I don't think I don't think a lot of people would say the Nationals were the best overall team, but yeah. you know they they did it. You know, it's a seven-game series. You know, the best team don't lose a seven-game well, series. They played great. They played great down the stretch. I mean, I really have a lot of respect that I'm really, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I was obviously rooting against the Nationals being a Met fan. Uh, um, and, you know, not having much bad blood against the Astros before this scandal, I was fully rooting for the Astros, as, as probably most, hopefully every Met fan was. But now at this point, I'm really happy the Astros did win. Um, I'm really glad they did, and I'm glad they kicked their ass. You know, it's, I think it's really impressive. I think it's one of the most impressive World Series wins ever. It really was. Um, what do you think the Nationals are going to do this year? You think they're going to take a step back? I think it was obvious. I don't think they're going to win again. But you think they win the step division? Step back. No, I don't think uh, they win the division. I think it's a three-team race. I think it's the Nationals, Braves, and Mets. The Phillies. I heard the stat. The Phillies haven't had a winning record since 2010 or 2011. Now, that's crazy. Yeah, they haven't made the playoffs in I think 10 years. Because I think the last yeah, year they had a winning record. They winning didn't. Record. They didn't make the playoffs. I think they had a win. So I think it's a three-team race. I mean, let's... I mean, the Phillies the did make some improvements, though. They did make some improvements. The Philly, the Phillies? Yeah. Yeah, they, they got Didi. Uh, they got really good reliever. I'm trying to think of who. Um, Wade Davis. Yeah. No, they got Wade Davis? Maybe, uh, maybe I'm... Uh, well, I don't not, think Wade not Davis is... Wade Davis. No. Wait, uh, did Will Smith go to them? Or I thought he went to the Braves. Will, Will Smith went to the Braves. Yeah, okay. But I have the Braves winning the division. I think the big kicker, to me, although they lost Donaldson as well, a lot of teams in the and that at least had some additions and departures. But I think for me with the Nationals is they lost Rendon. Yeah, yeah, they lost their best player. That's that's the thing. I mean, they have the young talent to mitigate some of the losses, but Rendon was literally Mike Trout in the NL, NL minus the steals this last year. I mean, he was a good, very good defender, power, average. RBIs runs. He was. He was. In, he'll never have a year that good again. No, no. And they like, lost he, was, the uh, baby shark guy too. Yeah, fucking Gerardo Parra. Yeah, Gerardo Parra. Yeah, so that's a lot of the, uh, good juju gone for them. But um, yeah, I, I mean Rendon. How you replace Rendon? Yeah, you I, don't. I, they I just, they didn't. What's the name of the kid they got coming up? Starts with a C. Corey or something or. Chris, the guy who's going to replace Rendon, he's like one of their top prospects. I forget, I'm not it. Sure I forget I, his name. I just, 
Um, whatever. But, but uh, yeah, I think that'll be. I mean, I think they only won eighty nine or ninety games with him last year. So I mean, I, I at this point, I kind of think Scherzer's a little bit on the downfall as well, just in regards to his age. He's getting more banged up the last couple of years. I don't really think I'm expecting Scherzer to stay healthy the whole year and be a sub two five ERA guy. So. I, you know, he's still a tremendous pitcher, but I don't really, I don't look at him in the DeGrom um, class, even though he, maybe he still is, but DeGrom's so much younger and, and healthier of late. I just, like, he got banged up. He missed six, seven or eight starts last year. Just feel like he throws so hard. He's a max effort guy in every pitch. He might, he might have a little trouble the last few years, and he might be a little more injury prone with how, how he pitches and the passion, so. You know, it's and then Strasburg's great though, obviously, and then and then I think Corbin's an above average, very solid third pitcher. I don't think he's anything special, but he's definitely really as good as he gets third pitcher. But yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah they'll, so they'll that, that, they'll, that they'll be competitive. Them, yeah, they'll be no, competitive. They, they will. I mean, I mean, who do you think? Who do you think wins the division? Probably Atlanta. I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with Atlanta yeah. as well. I think they're so the they, most complete team. Um, so, what do you think for second? I mean, it's crazy. It, 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 it all depends on the health of the Mets. If the Mets can stay healthy, I, I think they have just as good of a chance as the as the Nationals. Um, yeah, and you put you put them both above the Phillies. Yeah, slightly. Yeah, I think the Phillies yeah. are going to make an improvement. What are they? Eighty-one and eighty-one last year, I believe. It was around 80, 81 or 82 yeah. wins, something like I that. I see the Phillies as an 83 to 84 win. I was going to say 84, 85 wins for them. I see yeah. a slight upgrade, um, but not insane. But yeah, I mean, the Patances, the Patances signing, and you, you got to assume Diaz is going to be at least minimal, like decently better than last year. Yeah, he's got to improve. And then the Cespedes aspect is, is a big possible piece. Yeah. I mean, you know? he's a legitimate star when he's healthy. Yeah, I mean, I know I don't think 130 games, 140 games is, you know, expected at all. But the Mets have some sort of depth this year. We have, um, you know, we got Nimmo, we got Marisnik in center, Conforto, uh, J.D. Davis isn't a starter right now. He batted over 300, had like 20-some homers. You know, this isn't counting Jed Lowry who gets hurt, you know, tripping down the stairs. But, you know, there's just a lot of, there's more depth in the bullpen you know, around Rosario got a lot better. Ramos is still a very good hitter. And uh, we still have Dom Smith for depth, too. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I've been a fan of the Mets roster the last couple of years. It's just it hasn't yeah. worked out with them. It's yeah, and as bad as people thought we were last year, we won 86 games. And I don't think, you know, we should throw a party over that. But with how bad we were at certain times and how bad mickey was and i feel like we had a lot of bad stories the vargas thing mickey like 86 wins with that roster and like with our wasn't too terrible with how bad our bullpen was oh yeah i bet you if you ask the average fan who how many games the mets won last year they'd say like 75 yeah like 77 yeah they would they would not they'd be like oh they had a winning record yeah yeah and then some say people say oh because you got hot at the end but it all evens out we were hot in the beginning of the year we were you know, stone, dead cold for a month and a half, two months in the dog days of summer. And then we, from August and September, we were great. So, End of the year, that's when you want to get hot. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it all balances out when regards to that. You can't just be like, it's because we got hot or we got cold. You're going to be hot as a team. You're going to be cold as a team. It's a 162-game season. You're not going to be winning 80% of the games the whole year. You're not going to be losing games the whole year unless you have the Tigers or the Orioles. Yeah. But no. Loving those unders this year. Yeah. Yeah, what is it, under under 26 wins? <laughs> it's like one of them is like, I think one of them's in the 50s. Yeah, it's I bet I think the Orioles was like 54 and a half or something last year. Something insane. Yeah, I think it's like 56 and a half this year. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a, uh, a fun-filled episode, but we are going to head out on that note. Uh, next week, we'll have a lot of NFL Combine talk. Uh, we'll get back to the NBA. Um, and, you know, get a little ready for March Madness, which is coming up. Conference tournaments in about two weeks, week and a half, two weeks. Uh, so that's really going to be picking up. Uh, be looking at looking out for our our patented picks article on the first first round of the NCAA tournament, which we've hit over sixty five percent three years in a row now against the spread. Uh, very proud of that. And also uh, be sure to check us out on social and uh, our brand new store, uh, Bleacher Fan Sports on everything. Uh, that'll be it. See you guys next week.